rootsofthe-swamp-thing.com, your definitive source for all things Swamp Thing. Holland Files number two should be coming out pretty soon. If you got your pre-order in, uh, you should be expecting to see it pretty soon. So visit the world of Swamp Thing at rootsofthe-swamp-thing.com, on Twitter at DC World Swampy, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash rootsofthe-swamp-thing. Listening to Wednesday Comics, brought to you by RootsOfTheSwampThing.com and Supercon Return of the Con. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, we have Garrett himself. Garrett, how you doing? I'm doing peachy. And to my left, we have Alex. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everyone. Hey, today we are doing, what's it called, Garrett? It is called Wednesday Comics Leave Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents the review of The Other Side, written by Jason Aaron with art by Cameron Stewart and colors by Dave McKay. Craig, McCraig, McCaig. McCaig. Long title. That fits on Twitter, by the way. Thank you. Good. That was great. 140 um, characters or less? That's all I can put. <laughs> no hashtag? No, they recently increased it. Some more, it's 280 now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Which so actually Trump does help. They actually does help. They listen to my because the, the time we did the last book one, they didn't have it. I can never put the hat. They put the whole thing on there. It would almost take up most of it, and now it can do it fine. But when you see it on the screen, you only still see just a like couple sentences. You don't see the whole phrase. You see the whole thing. Oh, you see the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, that tells me you haven't been on Twitter in a while. Um, someone's out of work this week. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. We are, like you said, talking about Jason Aaron's fucking lazy people. The other side. It's his first uh, book, right? First graphic novel. Yeah, this is the first piece of work he's ever worked on. Being recently republished by Image Comics. Uh, this is the tenth uh, anniversary. Tenth anniversary. Uh, so, Cameron I tell you Stewart, what, yeah. it, it doesn't read like it's his first. Yeah, it I reads was, like it might be something before he retires. I, w- I was pleasantly surprised yeah, on how well this book read. Uh, Cameron Stewart and Art. We know Cameron Stewart from Fight Club 2, if you ever read that. You yep. read it, right? Yep, yep. absolutely. Um, he also did some Batman Incorporated. Yep. And um, I know from other stuff, too. I can't remember off the top of my head. Dave McKegg did colors for uh, American Vampire, so I know him. Uh, good job. Well, good use of red, I would say. So So we're actually, here's how the format of the show is going to work. We're going to talk about the book here first. We have some feedback for the next section, and then we'll talk about the new book. For uh, second quarter, no, quarter one of 2018. That's a pick by Alex Pastralo. But if you want to hear that, go ahead and go to the end of the show. You can listen to that if you didn't catch us with this book. But here's our review of Jason Aaron's uh, and Cameron Stewart's The Other Side. So we start off with a story. Do you remember names? What's the main character's name? Uh, it's Billy or Bill Everett. Everett. And what were they calling him the whole time? Um, Alabama. Alabama. Bama. Alabama. And then uh, from... The Vietnam side. I don't know if I ever caught his name. D A I is his last name. It's like Die Die Von Die Son Die So. I'm gonna look. It's Die something or other. I only knew that his last name is it ended in D A I. Yeah, they call him Die the whole time or Day. Maybe it's Day. I so if we're pronouncing it incorrectly, we apologize. I'm gonna call him Die. Let's call him D. I'm gonna call him D. D. Um. So the first issue is 
basically telling you like, so Billy's going to war. Billy got drafted. drafted. Billy got drafted. And he doesn't want to go. You could see him. Actually, see that's a great panel where you don't see him punch the mailbox, but his hands all bloody and the mailbox has a dent in it. You could tell he he got the letter and wasn't happy. Like it's a nice way of being like, uh, I don't want to go. You know, like just yeah. that. And then before that too, uh, he does a story about how a soldier died. So since that soldier died, they need one. They need somebody else. Yep. And he doesn't know exactly like who died, but he's just saying you know like this guy died. Someone's so got to fill the void. They got to fill the void. Like we were talking about last week with Punisher Platoon, uh, the government at that point was just sending bodies. They didn't care. Like they didn't care if they had the support, if they had the guns or anything. They were sending bodies uh, just to maintain the status. Maintain, quo. yeah, yeah. They were. There was no way. Like we all know this now, but then the time they believe there was a chance that we could win this war. I mean, not the obviously not the government, the public, but the public. I feel though, like Billy, as he goes along, kind of has he's scared about it, but he's scared about going to war. And then throughout these issues, you see him more realizing that the situation is fucked, no matter what. Like, he became disillusioned with the uh, American government throughout this whole five issues. And by the end of it, you actually see him being like, okay, the government's not going to save me for this. We have to save each other. There's a good panel we'll talk about in a second when we get to that issue. But there's a panel later when he's in a, a trench and he doesn't want to pull the trigger. And he's like, if I don't, like, they're depending on me and, and I'm depending on them to save ourselves. So that, I think that's the moment when Billy's like, I'm going to become a killer because he doesn't want to kill. He talks right. about that. Uh, we see something later where his brother brother was like, no, Billy told me he was going to kill, but look, he has this watch. And so you just see like everybody in the American side, at least, I believe, has this dream. Actually, no, on both sides. Everybody has this dream where like what they think it is. And by then in the book, none of them believe it anymore. All of them are like all broken. And even from the Vietnam side, the first issue is him being like, yes, I want to go and sacrifice myself for my country. I'm talking about D. D. He was yeah. like, that's a, this is a good way to go. Like, I'll die for my country. And they were always happy. His family was happy. It's opposite, actually, kind of what Billy is. Like, yeah. he's like, yes, for my country, I'll do this. And everybody's happy. There's like a big parade and shit. Even his parents are like, hey, if you die for this, like, you're yeah, a hero. This, yeah, like, this is so good it's it's probably an honor thing over there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for, for us, it's a, that you, you, have, you should fight. That's right. the right thing to do. You should fight so that we can live another day and we want you to come back. Whereas I feel like them is like, do it or, I mean, do or die. I feel like the generation above, like Billy's parents' generation, felt that way because of World War II. That was more we were in the right and we were trying to stop this absolute evil. And so his parents believe in that. But when he gets drafted, like his generation does not believe in that. So he doesn't know what he's fighting for. And there's a, I think it's in the first issue where they go, Hey, uh, where are you going? He goes, Vietnam. And, and his brother's like, where's that? At? He goes, I don't know. Like, yeah. he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's fighting he for. Says, he says it way more badass than that. Um, he says, they're uh, almost there. It says, I got no fucking idea, bud. Yeah. So he's like, <laughs> he doesn't know where he going to, he's going to fight. He doesn't know who he's fighting or anything. And actually, throughout this, the series, you see a lot of that propaganda from both sides. There's... In uh, issue two, I think a lot of them being like, man, the uh, they use <laughs> obviously racial slurs to talk about the Vietnam, but they're like, they're unstoppable from birth. They're out there to kill you. Can't trust any of them. Like if you see a kid, kill them. Like none of these people are to be trusted and how they won't be stopped. And yet they make sure you go after them and kill them all. And then from the other side, they're like those Americans. They don't care about anything. They'll destroy our land, destroy our people. 
they'll kill kids and, and well, actually it was kind of true because of what they were saying. They'll kill everybody, so you gotta kill them first. And so it's really this this whole series I that dealt with that propaganda in a good way. Because you can yeah. see them all coming into it, believing one thing, and throughout it, both characters realize, oh no, this is all fake. And this is like yeah. if this was labeled as anything else, it'd be more like the recruitment plus first training, like beginning of training for their uh for D's army and for uh, Everett's army. Um, and it's kind of cool. Like, you know, like we were talking about legacy with the parents, like, you know, they really want them to do their best. So uh, D's father gives him a medallion a or a pocket watch that he took off a French soldier that he killed in world war two. Right. No, I thought Ours. it was no, the different war. Different um, war. I don't remember which war it was, but I thought oh. it was, Earlier in the Vietnam yeah, War. Yeah, earlier oh, in the okay. Vietnam War, the French were fighting you. Okay. And then we don't really get... Billy doesn't get anything, but, I mean, right away, you can tell that, you know, Billy doesn't like that he's going to Vietnam, like you said, and he's starting to go a little nuts. Like, he's having his guns talking to him. Um, you know, he's, he's seeing, seeing things now. What's the thing that he sees, Alex? Uh, he sees a jawless dead soldier who uh, can't speak. Tongues hanging out of his mouth and can only make uh, grunting sounds. Uh, I tell you what, that's a scary character. There's a Cameron scene. Stewart's ability to drive draw this this particular like dead soldier is horrifying. Yes, I oh, actually know. Actually, um, the first Indochina War, nineteen forty six through nineteen fifty four, was the war that he got. Oh, it was, so right, it was the French World War II. French Indochina War between Vietnam and the French. So. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's horrifying. Um, we learn more about these undead soldiers as the series goes on, but at least for this first issue, you know, this is probably the undead soldier that makes the most lasting impression almost throughout the whole book. Well, I think the the end of this issue, I think you get to see the other soldiers that he imagine or that he sees. Well, yeah, it only starts out with a couple. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess you see a whole, you know, whole slew of them. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting, interesting to see because usually it's a U.S. soldier loses her mind slowly throughout the Vietnam War, but he was so scared that like that first day he was like, uh, done. Like, yeah, I can't do this. I want nothing to do with He this. got broken right away. And this whole series is how much can you break a man until and actually he becomes so broken to a point where he's like accepts it finally. And that's how he gets himself out of there. And he accepts death in a way. He's like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. and But he doesn't die. And in a way, when you get to the end of the book, is he happy that he didn't die? Maybe not. Because... Well, the way that you see it in the end of it where, you know, as we'll spoil later on, um, he almost looks like he's got survivor's guilt. Survivor's Where he should have died with the, his brothers yeah. in arms instead of being at home, now unsure of what he's supposed to do. He had that one guy killed. We'll talk about that later, yeah. but he got a guy killed for a stupid... He got a lot of people ki- uh, shot, at least, and killed for stupid reasons because he was too scared. Right. And when he finally stood up for himself, and when I, he just was either to do this or die, and he got out of it. it it's, I think it's what you said. Like, he's like, oh, like, I got out of this okay when all those other times, like, people were trying to protect me, and they all died, and I, I once tried to do that, and I was okay. And then all the PTSD, too. There's a lot of PTSD in this, yeah. too. So this first part ends with, you know, uh, Billy uh, is coming, or Bama, Alabama, comes to Vietnam, and uh, D is getting ready to join his brothers in the war 
that their first like journey based their first steps into to start their march you have to start their march and then because now we're we're in north vietnam right now with d working well, there's south. no there's no separation at it's this still point. It's, it's just, just vietnam, vietnam. okay yeah. That we don't. It's separated in a way that you would say you're in the north right now. Of the right. United States well, because they, they, they do. I mean, they they talk about, it, but I suppose you're right. The borders haven't. No, been it was it was split. No, because the 38th. Well, I mean, there's a line that kept moving north and yeah. south, but eventually, you know, okay. the 38th parallel is where it yeah. ended, and it's been held to this day. So yeah, he's traveling south because that's where the war is. There's a lot of him going through the north, being like them celebrating him, and uh, as he goes further and further south. He realizes that uh, most of what he saw along the way is just like propaganda to like get people to go to South, and then when they get there, it's just like go fight. There's a part. Is this in this issue when he gets the pamphlet? Um, we'll see. Might, well, actually, no, you go through those pages. I think, I think it's three when he finds the pamphlet. Well, he goes through those pages. I actually just want to comment on the art overall. It's, uh, Dave's colors and uh, Cameron Stewart's uh, pencils. This book looks, in a way, like when I first started reading it, I was like, ah, it looks too simple. And then I was like, well, you know what? It actually isn't that. It's, there's a lot of good pages of panel work in there. Uh, a lot of good full-page uh, splashes like that one there yeah. that Garrett's pointing out with the tigers. Uh, D comes upon like a group of tigers that are basically feasting on dead sol- dead Vietnamese soldiers. And he wasn't going to let his that soldier spirit be lost. I, so. I, I love, so there, if you go back, I think it's one page from where you were just at. Um, D is digging a hole with another soldier and there's a dead body next to the other soldier. So when you start at the beginning of the page, um, there's the the soldier's legs. Then you move on to the next part, and the the soldier's gone. And so D turns. I'm not gonna. I'm not like you said. I'm not gonna let my my fellow soldier be desecrated by these tigers. He deserves a burial. So he goes in to retrieve the body, running into a big group of tigers. What I was saying about there before, I thought it was like a little simple. But then, like as it went along, especially when they get more and more into it. I thought it was really, I mean, the style isn't realistic, but it's very realistic. And when you read the back, you see Cameron actually went out to Vietnam and make sure he got things right. It is realistic to a point where everything does feel like it's being honest. Like it's not exaggerated at all. It's not, hey, this is my style. It's just like he figured out a way to be like, how do I make this come across as true as possible? And that I think that's really what drew me into this. Like a lot of pages, especially when people like get shot or those uh, ghosts and stuff like that. When I see them, I'm almost like, Instead of being like uh, thinking that it looks cool that they're in war and fighting people, almost like especially like kind of like the Punisher thing, where I was like, in a way, it makes you be like, man, this is like brutal. Like I can't imagine being there. Because I can't imagine what this <clears throat> actually. I mean, he does a good rendition of how these things may have looked, but to actually be there right now, this page that we're looking at is a uh, a por uh, a porker a, p- <laughs> a porker cheese <laughs> a, p- a pig uh, eating a, a warthog that's uh, what I mean there's a lot of things in this book you don't think about that would happen like this would happen in more of the pigs eating a body pig, pigs an omnivore so it's going to eat whatever the, it can there's happens a to be a dead body later on when they're going through the swamp and he gets a bunch of leeches on them like there's a lot that they endure that wasn't them fighting the other side when, well, the when the pig's eating that dead body, it makes Billy like feel weak, and he gets so pissed off that he like literally shoots the pig like fifty million times. Well, this, this when I was reading this book, and when I saw this this panel particularly, it made me think of the book, uh, the things they carried. Yeah, and uh, there's a, a part of the story where a soldier dies, and this is in things they carried. A soldier dies, and this other soldier sees uh, a water buffalo 
and just sh- machine guns them to death. It's a good thing you brought that up because I actually wanted to bring this up about the story overall was that when I was reading this for a second, I felt like I've seen this all before. Like when I understand there's nothing new to this, there's nothing that's bringing. But then after I went oh, for a while, I was like, you know what though? Like none of it feels like I've seen this before and I know how it's going to turn out. It also feels like I know how this feels because this is how it was. Like none of it feels fake. None of it feels uh, dishonest. And when I got to the end, Jason Aaron admits he took a lot of inspiration from a lot of other things. And I, a lot of that is because like you said, from the things I carried, those are all true stories. Like this yeah. stuff actually happened. And it's not that he's taking things because he can't think of anything else to come up with. It's just taking true stories that have happened and making it into his own story about Billy and all this. So after a while, I was like, you know what? Like a Vietnam story doesn't have to be like uh, super unique because that's what happened. Yeah. Like I've seen right. like this happened to a million kids out there trying and they were kids. He's like, what, 17? Nine. Yeah, 17, 19. Yeah. So as a kid, I mean, I can imagine right. being 19 out there making those choices, deciding whether or not somebody like you see somebody be like, oh, are they an enemy or not? Like I couldn't imagine seeing somebody be like, do I kill them now or wait to see if they're actually, and then what if they turn out to be friendly or they turn out to be just a kid or something like that? Right. Well, the way it sounds in the book is at least when you're, I think one of the characters, I can't remember which one says it, is that um, if it moves, you kill it. Unless they are dignified and you're on the same team to begin with and you came in with them, everyone's fair game to be killed. Yeah. And they talk about how also Vietnam kids, they said, he's like, make sure you shoot them right away. They, they carry grenades on them. And just to think about, even if that, just think about if that's not true. Like, then they're just telling you to kill everybody. And I think we- children getting killed for- And we've seen a lot of that in, uh, I was talking about Vietnam movies before we started the show. A lot of that happens if you've ever seen Platoon, there's a whole scene about that where they kill a village of women and kids. Um, and then also, like, in the, the Punisher, he sends an airstrike and kills- Just to blow everybody up. And he doesn't care who's there, because it's safer for them just to kill everything and figure out later if it was okay or not. And that's what you just said, like- the guys like just kill everything. Doesn't I think matter. I think you and I, Marvin, talked about last week in Punisher Platoon that in the Vietnam War it wasn't just war against people. It's you're destroying the whole land. You're that's there's no hold barred on what you will do. They you, talked about that a lot. You're here too. to destroy their their families, to destroy their livelihood, their farms, their cities. Everything is fair game for you to bring destruction and death to. And that's what the. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Oh, the Vietnam soldiers, a lot of them in this were like, the Americans don't respect land. They don't respect this earth. They say that for a while. Mm-hmm. They're like, that's how evil they are. They don't care about the planet they live on, and which might be true in a way. And you can see, like, even from that cover, for the cover, uh, issue three, that's the th- great thing about this book is that not only does it show the experience of the other side, but it brings in, like, their, their religion, perspective. their perspective, yeah, everything. Absolutely. So, like, you see that they weren't also mad that they were invading their land. They were mad that they were destroying it, too. Like, they were restoring, like, rice paddies, everything, to make sure that when they left, these people wouldn't want to live there anymore. Well, think about it, like, whenever it kills that ho- that pig, I know, like, to us, that's like, okay, big deal, circle of life. Like, that guy was, oh, he was disgusted. Enough. Well, I, I read it, and it, I mean, it hurt just to read it. You're right. I was like, but you probably think about that. Like, yeah, everything's getting raised, burned. You know, yeah. you saw that wasteland at the end of issue one, where basically the Americans are traveling over charred ash of land in their wake, you know. So it it is true. I mean, to an extent, you know, like they, they're ruining, in the eyes of the Vietnamese, you know, they're ruining all of their, you know, their country's produce their way of life 
Like, could you imagine if that happened here in America? I mean, we'd feel the same way. Think about it, like, in a way, when we fought the Germans in World War II, or even, like, when Adolf Hitler went to Paris, he didn't want to destroy anything because he appreciated art, so he didn't destroy the Eiffel Tower or anything like that. Uh, But it's, like, so in that war, there was kind of a respect to be, like, all didn't destroy anything. But in this war, it was just, like, destroy everything. Like, there was, was, I think in this war, there's a lot more hate. I mean, and that's that's a weird thing to say when you're talking about Adolf Hitler, but like in this book, especially the enemy for both people, they weren't people. They were just like they were some sort of monster that they in their troops would act like they were like this ultimate monster. You got to kill them. If you kill one, like it's good and everything about them destroy everything. Well, the the there's not necessarily a supernatural part to it, but. They talk a lot about the tunnels that have been dug out yeah. that the uh, Vietnamese soldiers are traveling through. So constantly through at least issue two and issue three, there's a sniper who consistently keeps chasing these guys down, shooting at them. And sometimes he connects, sometimes he doesn't. But he's always a threat. And I say he because I'm assuming it's a man. Could very well be a woman, could be a child. I'm guessing it's a man. Yeah. But I guess that what I'm trying to say it's not that it's they were like in World War II. Obviously, they didn't respect each other, but in this one, the Vietnam are so outclassed; they don't have the same type of weapons or anything like that. That it's less humane. They're just like destroy everything, and those, these guys have no way to protect themselves. They kind of do, but really, all they have to do is call an airstrike, and they just wipe out everything. Yep. Uh, this is the page I was talking about. This is issue three. Yep, issue three. Where they like the Americans would drop a lot of uh, paper uh, propaganda to be like, "Hey, reject communism. Like it's bad." And this is the first time our, our character D was like, what's communism? Like, he doesn't know any better. I mean, that's all he knows is what he was raised in. And it's talking about this. And then his, like, general is like, yeah. oh, it's just fucking, like, it's, like, it's just propaganda. You don't even need to read it. Like, it doesn't yeah. make sense. It's gibberish. It's garbage from the Americans. And it yeah. maybe it's the first sign that D's like, I'm not sure if I'm being told the truth about all this. And uh, as we go on, like, this is the, and then his whole platoon gets wiped out. And this is, like, the first step to him. He starts seeing things too, but what he sees are more with his religion. Uh, he sees like a dragon, right? And he sees um, like a big, uh, I'm not sure what you call it, like a samurai type guy. Yeah, I'm not sure what the right name is for him. Here, but, it, it, but it almost looks like it's a, it seems to be samurai. almost a protector. Is it's like a samurai, samurai god. Yeah. Hello. I'm wondering if there's an appropriate term for it, though. Yeah, it's like those big dudes in Tomb Raider. Yeah, like yeah, the mask. Almost like a, a guard, almost, is yeah. what I'm thinking of. Right. Oh, here it is. Um, you know, the nice thing for this oh, it's book. It's the God of War. They were a Japanese. And, uh, that would explain why he's talking about there's more people to kill. Yeah. Right. More war. Hachiman. To... Well, God. that's the thing with like the Vietnamese, like you could see in this story that like, you know, like you said, it's more religion is involved. So, you know, it's like if, you know, people were in you know, Christianity would like break a commandment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one's he's more, more red, detailed, but, but yeah, the, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that. Um, but, you know, to them, like that was their way of life. There was one religion. You followed it or you're going to hell. Um, so yeah, it's really empowering for him to like, he's basically, he's going just as crazy as ever. It is maybe not like a hundred percent, but he's seeing all these mythical beings in place of American soldiers or helicopters yeah. or, and he's like, you know, like, holy crap, I got to take this on by myself. Nobody else is going to do it. So he constantly puts his head down and just freaking drives through anything and everything he can until ultimately we see it might, it could be his undoing. 
I see this book as a you know as as an American myself. I you, everyone who's not an American is the bad guy at least in the wars. Right. But I read this book and there's no bad guy. It's how you're brought up in life, where you're from. Yeah. It's what you're and what you're, you're told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that really the two the bad guys we that are in this book are not the soldiers on the ground, but the people who are telling them where to go and who to kill. So it's right. it's like the both government. For, it's both the, governments are like the Vietnam government's probably being not telling these people the truth, and they're sending these kids to die. And the American government same way, they're just sending these kids to die, but in a different way. They don't give them a choice. They're like, one give a choice was like, oh, for honor, and for Billy, it was like you have to. Yep. And Billy right away, like we talked about before, is not okay. Throughout the war, he gets worse and worse and worse. He starts seeing, uh, what are those kids eating? Rats. Rats. And we see the rats talk to him later on, too, and everything. Um, well, it's kind of a common theme is that anything that dies has interaction with Billy. Like, that's yep. how crazy is he. Like, anything he sees that's dead leaves such a lasting impression on him. You can yep. tell how much he hates death or, like, how afraid of it he is that every time he tries to run away from it, that thing gets thrown in his face like no so you can't run away from this his gun is a deliverer of death the rats are eating dead people right um these kids are eating dead rats now or i don't yeah. who knows they right. may not have been dead um there's some i don't know the right word there's some gritty shots that are drawn in this book gruesome yeah. you know the gruesome. best vietnam uh stories i'll say uh are told from like the toll it took on these people not just physically we see a lot of that in there we see you know the leeches the dirty conditions the places they would have to like sleep and stuff like that but also like mentally how it tore these people apart like billy was a happy kid where he was uh d obviously was like he was like oh i'm gonna go out and fight for my country and this part here if you go was it a backup pad when he has the body the body pile he's looking at all his people dead and he goes, I don't care if I have to go alone. I'm not turning back now, not ever. And he's looking at the watch, thinking of his dad, because his dad gave him the watch, and just thinking, like, well, my dad would have turned back right now. So at this point, he's still fighting for pride. And as we see later, there's eventually a point when he's like, no, he's like, screw it. Like, this isn't my war. No. This is my country's war. What am I doing? And Billy kind of has that early on, but they don't let him leave. Yeah. Well, we see, actually, we forgot that, that Vietnam soldier tried to do that. Yeah, it's Zuan. It's X U A N. I don't think it's Juan. In uh, D, basically, he's like, no, you can't leave. X. We'll call him well, this is what we're seeing right, oh, right here. Oh, right here it is. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to desert, and D's like, whoa, buddy. No, when you came this way, you can't turn her back. Yep. There's no way. I'm not going to let you. And it's really because of that culture of respect and pride, uh, they, in honor, that at this point, he's like, you can't do this. Like, there's. It kind of breaks his mind in a way, being like, what do you mean you're going back? You can't do this. And he's like, no, I'm going back. And he does he tell on him? Or is he just basically like, no, no, I he, wouldn't he, tell on you. He just stands up in front of everybody and goes, you can't do that. This is the first the first part that you see of them having this conversation. Okay. Later in the tunnels, they talk again. And uh, D tells him that I will kill you right here if you, oh, you want to leave. He threatens him, yeah. If you're going to leave, I'm going to shoot you. That's how you're going to leave. But then if you go back... To this, I believe, yeah, this is the right page where the uh, oh yeah, this is the Vietnamese part. army walks into a town, and the townsfolk are they're they're being rude to them, and as they're digging a giant hole, the uh, military men now stick them in the hole all together, 
and just blow them away. Right. And what is, uh, he says, he goes, my father mentioned, oh no, he, the glory of war, yet among all those many tales, my father mentioned nothing about this. By having a brutally murder. And is all, all the honor of fighting and dying for your fatherland. That was the thing. Like, that's the first part where he realizes that maybe it's all propaganda. Maybe they haven't told me the truth. You know, when we also uh, get a little further in the story, you know, obviously there's two different perspectives to this, but there's a lot of the same things going on. Like uh, Billy, you know, tells about how, like, you know, there's so many explosions going off that you get nosebleeds from him, and then you show D and he's getting nosebleeds from the explosions happening all around him. So it's like literally there's a gap between them and it keeps shrinking and shrinking and they're both interacting with the same thing. But again, just from different perspectives, outlooks and it's like definitely nature versus nurture when it comes to that. Because, like, obviously, if you were just thrown into this environment, you might act differently. But when you're raised a certain way, you're going to react a different way. Well, they they consistently talk about in the the book that it's 40,000 Vietnamese versus 5,000 American soldiers. Right. Uh, So it's a big difference between what the Americans have as weaponry is superior to what the Vietnamese have, but they've got the numbers. So it's obviously not a fair battle. When you're watching all the shit that they're going through. And I think the nice thing about this book is when you start at issue one and you see D's like it's bright and vibrant and smiles. The further you get into this book, both men are terrified out of their minds and they're getting dirty. They're getting bloody. They're getting they're seeing shit that they should never have had to see. Right. This page especially is great because you see him from the same perspective in all four panels. But yet in the background, like it keeps getting worse for him. And even in the third one, you finally see him like afraid. I think it's the first time he's actually afraid. Because before even like he faces those tigers, he's not afraid. Yep. He's like, I would die for this. And then he sees a lot of his fallen brother yeah. in, and you see American. Basically, you see an Americans winning, and he's like, whoa, like they're a bigger force than I thought. Like we have may have more people, but they're this winning this panel. battle. What I just said. This yeah, is, this is a good panel that we're looking at right, right. now. I mean, it just shows how brutal we as Americans can be. It shows how it could be. And it's same, you know, obviously, same perspective. You know, Americans feel the same way about the Vietnamese, but... Are those American soldiers hanging up from the trees? Those are Vietnamese soldiers. I, didn't say, I think all that we're seeing here are dead Vietnamese soldiers as the Vietnamese are walking. That even now, there's there's so many dead. There's not enough time you can, to no, bury No, there's Americans are these Americans? and there's yeah, those are all Vietnamese. Okay. No, there's both. Oh, it's everybody, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's so many dead bodies that you don't have time to, to bury your own... Or to burn those that are right on there, or to even I mean, yeah, to you filter through to move to the next. They're all dead bodies yeah. everywhere. And even if you're alive, like he said, he found maggots in his leg. Maybe I'm dead already. Like even at that point, it's so bad out there that there's maggots eating him alive. So well, they way, mention <laughs> if you get like malaria or disease, you oh, get yeah. put in a special place, basically, and then you get executed. Yeah, because you're just dead weight to them at that point. Um, and yeah, so D's experience starting to hallucinate a little bit too. I mean, well, I guess this is a real, is that guy been leading the boat the whole time or is he? A, I'm no, sure that's hallucination. Yeah. This, this is hallucination. So you have another, is, I think this is their form of like the river sticks is that right. he's, he's got snakes in the boat. They're trying to get away from what appeared to be zombified, not at least reborn dead chasing right. him. Yeah. So the dead are following them like, yeah. Hey, I'm leading you to your death. Now it's like, Hey, don't go too far. I'm right behind you. Um, you know, we get to, um, a letter received from Billy's parents, you know, like they're so ignorant about the war, like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, it seems like they treat it like he's at summer camp. 
Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, you haven't responded to us. It's like, what do you say? Do you say, oh, I saw 12 dead bodies today. I only saw six yesterday. You know, I mean, the intestines were all over them, you know, and they just think like, oh, you know, we heard on the news. I think I said this before, like, you know, that uh, this war is unwinnable. And we're like, yeah, right. We know you guys are kicking ass out there. And it's like, well, yeah, what do you say to your kid? But to be that ignorant, too, like, what would you say to your parents? I mean, if you saw people murdered right in front of you, but then your nurturing parents are like, oh, when you get home, we'll make you all kinds of pie, we'll make you feel comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, fuck, I don't even know if I could explain to you. I don't want pie. That's- yeah, they think that, like that letter <laughs> explains basically, oh, when you get home, we'll be fine, we'll like make you all this stuff. Yeah. And they think that's going to be enough to like clear his mind of everything that's happened. Oh, it's just a bad day you had. You just need to come home and be better. But this stuff is not something that he's going to wake up back in America and be like, oh, I'm fine. This stuff is damaging him for life. I said, this this isn't a, um, and and I don't make it, I'm not making a joke out of it. I'm just saying, this isn't Oz. You didn't go somewhere and when you come home, everything is peachy keen. Right. This is, you get home and shit's going to still be there. Yeah, it's not a dream no matter how much they don't remember if they're awake or not or alive or even dead. When they get back to America, it's still... Like, th- there's no switching off that mode. No. Um, and we've seen that a lot in another uh, Vietnam uh, store, v- Vietnam media. So, like, uh, Vietnam War media, excuse me. Um, yeah, we got another great panel here where, um, you know, helicopters are raining down missiles and bullets and fire onto, D. like, land onto D. But D sees him as this great omnipotent dragon that's doing the same thing. And he yeah, sees himself, cool. like... Um, he needs to be stronger than dragons. So he's going to meet the helicopter like a crazy person. And he ends up throwing a grenade at this helicopter amongst the fire. And it wounds. It blows up the helicopter. So it's like that guy's that crazy that he goes in the middle of uh, all this danger. And Alex is noticing that like we're, you know, we've seen that. Was it mouthless? Did we say? Or... What would you call that ghost? Jawless. Jawless. I was just calling Jawless. So the Jawless ghost, I said, is most frequently in the story. Like, there to, like, pester Billy besides his gun, being like, you can't fucking do this. Like, you're not good enough. And whenever he's doubting himself, the the ghost is there just being like, eh, like, this is what's going to happen. Get ready for it. Ready to go. Like, this is the best thing that can happen. I think, like, what I find interesting is that the the ghost they see are ghosts that he sees reminds him of reminds him of the shit that can happen right lose your face melt your eye lose your eye uh be headless what have you his gun just wants people to die whether it's others or billy kills himself yeah but you see here he's daydreaming or not daydreaming but you know he's looking at the stars like oh what if what if there's hope what if there's um you know something better than this and then that ghost is there to be like nope yeah you're you're not that's not true that's not happening here um, so we're getting even closer to the gaps narrowing more between the American soldiers and the Vietnamese soldiers getting closer to each other. You can literally see the fallout of D's group versus Everett's group, um, and what's happening between them before we get to the fourth issue, which is starting to get crazy. I mean, Billy's losing his mind. He's going absolutely psycho. We have this issue four is pretty extreme because you know we see this butterfly right off the bat you don't think anything of it it's just talking about life and how like you know even 
you know, life is something that should be cherished in the midst. This of the le- this is the issue. It has a letter, right? Yep. This is a letter. Um, yep. Yeah. This is the whole issue where most of the dialogue in this issue is just a letter, and seeing them talk about when you come back home, all this stuff. Meanwhile, they're getting like mowed down, and like people are dying, getting shot through the head. This is where you let the art tell the story. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's it's kind of trying to uh, present that duality of the perspective of Vietnam being like from the American side. Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, they're fighting the fight. And then on this side, they don't actually see what's actually happening. And like you said, she thinks it's like, oh, yeah, when you get back, everything will be the same. And uh, if you, as you move on here, we see uh, they finally caught each other, right? Dee and um, Billy are in the same place now? Um, They're close. They're closer, for sure. I mean, this is the right before he gets his captain killed. I say, right. I say, this is, I believe, this. they're in the same battle. But whether or not they're fighting each other specifically... I don't believe it's happening. Well, yeah, Billy's losing his mind. Like, he's firing on the enemy, everything, and, you know, he thinks that um, he's, you know, safe. He thinks nothing's going to go wrong, and death's right there, and at least the ghost is like, oh, dude, like, I'm not showing myself for no reason. You know, you see all these dead things, and then uh, Billy's getting freaked out because there's so much chaos going on, Um, and amongst all this chaos, you know, there's a pretty little butterfly, you know. I don't know if that to you guys is like hope or like, you know, showing that there's still beauty in this horrible world. That's, it. That's how I see it is that right. there's still a glimmer of actually hope right. in this war-torn country, but there's still something beautiful that has right. something to live for. But you flip the page and being distracted by that beauty or the hope instead of focusing on the mission ends up. So Billy's like, whoa, stop fighting, guys. Cease fire. There's a butterfly. And his captain's like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he dies. He gets shot in the neck. And obviously, through the spinal cord. Well, maybe not. And he gets he oh, reacts yeah, a little bit longer. So he, he's bleeding out, though, because then you get to the next. I mean, he's he keeps trying to, I think, say Everett. Yeah. He's like, he's trying to be like, you stupid son of a. But he's making the same eh, as the yep. jawless ghost. So it's it's like. He doesn't even realize that it's his fault until you know he's getting bled all over by his captain. He's yeah. like, "What did I do? Oh my god!" If you go back to back a page there, mm-hmm. when the he sees the butterfly, the butterfly says, says some things in Roman, and what it means, it translates to it is sweet and proper to die for the fatherland. What's here? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and I think he sees that, and it's from World War One. It's from a poem in World War One, and maybe he sees that, and that's why at that moment he's like, "What? What's going on here?" Like, and that's what makes him stop and be like. If for a second he's like uh, stop, like he's afraid that he's gonna die, and he wants to stop everything real quick, and that's why he's uh, uh, what do you call it? LT. Yeah. yeah, might be. No, I don't think it's an LT. That's not. That's not. <laughs> Get shot well, in the throat, and then you see D side, like you know they're getting forwarded, they're getting knocked out, and basically he had, D has a vision of this. What's the warrior called that you just looked up? I don't remember. Okay, whatever. Frickin- yeah, something. It's like a god of war. Yeah, the god of war uh, for the Vietnamese is like, give me your hand. Like, we're not finished yet. We still got more work to do. And D feels like he's being called to do more than just end what he's been trying to accomplish. Um, Yeah, what's funny enough, you know, you see all this chaos happening and the captain's dying and Everett's arms and the butterfly's still alive through okay. all this madness. Way to go. So Someone's I mean, got to live. I don't know what, I mean, there's certain messages you can get out of that you know you've said what the quote meant and i mean 
some things it's like uh ant survives nuclear blast kind of thing with like rock paper scissors whatever but the one thing is that it's a butterfly and butterflies are a daily a, a day creature right most likely it would be a moth at night i know being realistic i'm just saying that i'm still sticking with the glimmer of hope right there's something else at work here than just logic but it could also be like you know when you see the beginning of the book there's so much color there's so much life yeah. and now the only thing of color or like radiance is literally the size of like a dollar bill like it's getting smaller and smaller and fading as it gets darker um and then we get to the last stand basically which is at fort alabama or what's it called um it says right there uh alabama the beautiful is the fort though I mean, that's just what they put above their door oh well, i didn't know that was I that was just his office yeah, I, say, I think that's his office it's called something else the actual fort is yeah okay that's his room okay yeah so there in his room he's haunted by all the ghosts uh, that have died um including the one that he claims like paved the way for him to have to go to the war um, oh that's that's right you got his legs blown off yep you got the pig in there uh they don't show the captain but they got jawless here other soldiers here's the one that the pig was eating and all the rats that have died yep. and the kids being eating them and stuff um you know, and they kind of go over some of Billy's past, like, you know, how he, like, he doesn't seem like he really believes in God, doesn't seem he really stands up or believes in anything. Um, even his family life doesn't seem that This happy. is as he's reading the note, isn't it? Yep. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he has a vision of his whole family dying around him. Like, that's how chaotic it gets. Well, I think in that point, he's, it's, he's realizing, like, he was told like the propaganda wasn't only from the government in that church also they were telling him like you gotta fight for your country all this kind of stuff to try to like and he didn't even realize even that part of his life was not influenced by people telling him to that to go fight and there's even a point where they see kids like with guns and be like they're from basically teach you from very young being like play with guns be a cowboy and all this stuff like that and then when he's older he has a helmet on like all the people around him are dead and it's just and he even sees his, uh, I guess we call him his LT, but bleeding all over him. And he's just like, and he hears his uh, pastor be like, in hell is most definitely a real place. And he's just like, at that point, he's more confl- like fighting the idea of death, being like, is it true? Like, am I going to go to hell or am I going to go? Like, if what I've done over here, does that constitute me going to hell or am I doing the right thing? And then on the other side, we get D is having a nightmare. You know, he's on a heaping pile of Vietnamese soldiers and he's, he like sees that he's bleeding. He's getting sick. You know, it's, but you find out it's this nightmare. Oh, is, it, is, is he, he's gone. I think, I think he has malaria right now. Well, that in he's the, having in a, his nightmare, yeah. he does. And then he wakes up and he's like, oh, thank God. I don't have it. I can still fight for my country. Like I can live to fight another day. Um, just a long nightmare. But you can see his body's deteriorating. Well, this is back at... Oh, that's back up at... At the, the fort. How do he wakes up and finds out he doesn't have it? Well, he, do, he does in a little bit. I think oh, okay. he's still having this fever dream as right. he wakes up through here. Well, the dead are all surrounding Everett as he... I mean, again, like, everything's rising in this book. Like, you know, they're getting... The Vietnamese are getting closer. The Americans are getting closer to one another. They're trying to protect their last fort on... What was the location? It was a... It started with a K. I can't even pronounce uh, it. It's like con conche or something yeah something like that um and then now that we've established the symbolism of like helicopters or dragons and 
um, things like that. You see a dragon blowing down all this land. Because right now it's D oh, running back part to of the it, now So now we're back at D sleeping. And D's running back to his village where he runs into his family dying. He's slowly disintegrating. He's watching the Americans with their dragons and their helicopters just obliterating everything. So then you go into the next page and he goes, you know, one of your things you're going to miss out is that we killed your family. That you weren't there to protect your family. As he slowly again dissolves into skull and a little bit of muscles, no arms, legs. And you run into these uh, looks like stitched up eyes Americans that are yeah, they look like monsters. Horrifying. Yeah, like jokers. Yeah, kind of. And then that's when he wakes up and is like, okay, that's what I don't want to happen. So I have to keep fighting. Like, I I have to, like, keep moving ahead. Yep. Thank God I don't have malaria. I, so now that's what I thought he actually had malaria and that he had this sickened fever dream that he does fight him, fights out of no. and gets over it. But that could have been just in my head. Hmm. I thought he had malaria too. But I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, when they show that he doesn't have the blood on his hands anymore, I thought. Well, I think it's also supposed to show you that, you know, he's not afraid of death because it's an honorable thing to die in war, but it's not honorable to die of that disease. Like, that disease is more of a plague on them. And everybody, like you said, they put him in uh, isolation. They basically have them die off. It's not honorable to die of that disease. So for him... The fear is not dying in the battle. The fear is to catch malaria and die. So that's right. why he's having those dreams. Meanwhile, Everett is having dreams about dying in war. Right. Like, that's the thing that they both fear. They both are fearing death, but in different ways, based on how they were raised. And the end of this fourth issue is basically Everett's committing to being in this war, and so is D. He's like, hey, this is our last all-out effort. It has to happen this way. Like you can. That's where that part you were talking about, Marvin, where there's a panel where He's just sitting in a booth, or at least in his mind, he's just like, fuck it. Like, I have to do this. I have to go out there and do this battle. I have to fight. And D is the same way. He's trying to motivate himself, saying, there's nothing left. You have to do this. And then we get to the final issue, Beyond the Wire. Oh, Jesus. It is still frightening. Jawless is, that's great. So the first I mean, page you open in issue five is Jawless wide-eyed and just staring at you as you read this issue. I tell you what, it still gives me the heebie-jeebies. But even Marvin can't look at it. But you can see, like, right in Everett's face, like, he's so stoic. Like, it used to scare the shit out of him. Yeah. And now he's like, whatever. He's seen worse. Like, yeah, what What are you to me? You're, you're just a, something that's bothering me. You're not going to mess up what I'm thinking about right now. And he just looks defeated. He's got bags under his eyes. He looks pale. He just... He just wants to be done so bad. And it's like it's like those days where you're just so tired, but people are forcing you to like just do well, things he still that you has don't want to do. do. Yeah. And so like like we will find out in a little bit, he still has other brothers who are counting on him to do his job to help protect them. You can and, tell how paranoid he is too. Like he's oh yeah. he's defeated and he's just like if a bullet went off right now, it could be just a blessing in disguise. Like he's just he's ready to fall over. Well, he literally talks about he hasn't slept, and when he does sleep, he wakes up. Right. That it's just an un, unfruitful rest. Um, slowly, because this is the last fort that basically before. I mean, that that whole area gets taken over, and you can see that the Vietnamese soldiers are creeping on in this camp because this is where the final standoff is going to happen. They're eventually going to meet up. And it shows you still uh, that how they don't fear death from the battle. Like, those three are going up to the line 
to set up the the mylars. Is that called? Yeah, mines. Mines to set them off, just so that the rest of the troops can get through. But for them, I mean, to go up there and blow them up, it's not a. It's a worthy sacrifice for those three. Like those three are ready to go up there and like yep. give them the advantage, yeah. basically. Um. So yeah, you can see that. Uh, X and D are standing over looking at the fort line, basically being like, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're going to... Well, and Zwan comes back saying that I, you're right. I, I, there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. So I might as well come see this thing through. Right. Um, so, yeah, the tripwire gets blown up. Um, and then... The battle starts. The battle begins for both sides. This is a good panel. Uh, there's a panel where D's firing on the encampment, like full of rage and fury, and you can see Everett. He is scared shitless. He's like, oh, my God. Like, this is finally happening. They're coming upon us. Now, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Everett has not killed anybody yet. This will be his first time killing anybody. Yep. Besides he's he's been in battle, but he's never actually killed anybody. Right. He's been the cause of other people's deaths, but never really killed And that uh, page is great because if you go down... The dialogue is like both of them, their thoughts throughout it. And uh, what does it say there, Garrett? You want me to read the whole thing? Yeah, it's on the book. Um, none of the bullshit matters now. Obviously, it's Everett. Not communism, not domino theories, not the Politburo or the Pentagon. There's only the heft of my weapon, the tug of the trigger, the mortars and claymores, the illumination rounds. Only this man that I must kill, this man who wants to kill me, only victory, only survival. So when it comes down to it in any kind of war, especially in this war, when it, it's just those two firing upon each other, none of that bullshit matters about why you're here or who you lie to. When you're in the face of death like that, all that matters is how fast can you pull that trigger. And uh, we see in the next page that Everett pulls it faster and shoots truer. So yep. kills That's D. Uh, right through the heart. On literally the edge. I thought it was great that we saw from a character's perspective that both characters that were the main characters in this book, we ended up that we saw that when one of them killed the other one. Like, that's the only kill he has is that he kills the other person. So we've known both these people to this point. And like, uh, I think Alex, you were saying before, there's no bad people in this. Like, he's not a bad guy. He's not killing a bad guy or the good guy didn't get killed. Like, they're both just innocent people. Trying to stay alive. Well, and you see Everett's face in this bottom left corner is a tear rolls down his eye. I can't imagine what that is to kill somebody. Right. Hell, that bull doesn't even kill him. He falls on the barbed wire. And he's getting ripped up from there. Yeah. And he's not actually dead yet as you get this. I'm, his I whole life it, like flashed for his eyes. That's what I was thinking. It looked like a flashing of your, your whole life. And part of the uh, propaganda when he was on the plane coming over Everett, they were like the best thing that can happen to you is that they kill you right away. Because for them, the big, uh, they, they were like, if they capture you, they'll torture you. So when he kills him and he eventually like starts getting tortured, Billy starts crying. Cause he was like, he didn't give him the best death, death he could have. And yeah, it like wasn't a clean kill. It no. was, he was, uh, he was bleeding out because of the falling on the barbed wire. Even at that point when he does shoot a guy, he is the cause of his pain more than just that bullet. Like throughout this whole thing you're talking about, he got a bunch of people killed he shoots a guy, but he's still like, he doesn't die from the bullet. He dies from all this other stuff happening to yep. him. That's a great page. Help, yeah. Like you were talking about. Holy cow. Especially the coloring on that page. I love. Um, so, you know, basically 
the Americans are wiping out the Vietnamese in this in this battle. Barely. I mean, they're barely doing it. You see Zwan gets killed. You see, like, that the encampment's in ashes. And somehow, miraculously, Everett, with only a few, like, fewer members of his party, survives the battle. I mean, they had won that How one. do you spell D's name? Um, it's D-A-I. Yeah, go on. And no, that is D-I-A. D-I-A-D-A? No, it's D-A-I. Show me that D-A-I. Well, I gotta go, just, I'll fight about it later. Uh, there's a lot more D-A-I's on this than, yeah. Um, so, after the battle, Everett goes up to, uh, Die. D's. Die. Die. To D's corpse, and inside he finds D's journal and the pocket watch that D's father had given to him. Um, which is kind of a, I mean, it's a crazy symbolism, you know, not, I don't know about symbolism. I mean, crazy. Maybe it's just ironic. Well, think about it this way. His father took it as, cause he killed somebody else. So his father took it as being like, I killed this guy. This is a sense of a trophy, a trophy. Like he's, yeah. And then here he kills, he ends up killing that guy's son and takes something also, but it's meant to be a trophy, but he doesn't treat it that way. We see later on, he'll give it to his brother and Bro's like, Hey, he gave me the sweet watch, but for, uh, Everett, it's just like... It's a reminder of what he's done. Yeah, it's more of a reminder than being like a sense of pride. How do you uh, spell his uh, friend's name? Z? X-U-A-N. <clears throat> but, I mean, we know that Everett's intrigued by what D's uh, story will be. Um, that's, I mean, he just sits there standing over his dead body. So... Closes his eyes, then he spends the next yeah. couple of days looking through the journal. Can't understand... The text, but uh, D drew pictures. Which he is so wonderfully reminded by his other teammates going, you can't read that shit. Right. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, this just because I took this life does not mean that I'm happy about it. doesn't mean that it's not going to haunt me the rest of my life. Um, and you can see, you know, right before uh, he turns in that journal to the military. And then literally a day or two later... Um, his encampment gets blown up and somehow he miraculously, um, well, he has that vision of hell when earlier right. when he was seeing that pastor being like, you're all going to hell. He finally kills the person. He's like, okay, that's worthy of me going to hell. And now he, that's what he's fearing now. Right. And he's about to go into the depths of hell and he gets pulled out. Um, he goes crazy oh. for a second. Look at that face. Well, I thought he, I thought he was getting pulled back in. Well, getting he survives. Pulled, he's he's getting dead. pulled down and then he fights back. Right. He fights back. Like, I don't want to die. And, and that he just, I mean, is when he's lost, that he's done. Like, he fought hell and he won. He killed somebody and, like, he's not happy about it, but he's out of there oh, now. I see. Those guys pulled him up. Yeah. Okay. Pulled him through the wreckage of the... To hell and back. Literally. And then he's back in America. Billy is not happy. You know, you think... The, the thing that he wanted the most was to be home with his family being free, not having to kill anybody, but you can just see that his, he's just ruined. He's defeated. Like, nothing will make this guy happy ever again. And yeah, you see that? Marvin just said it. To Hell and Back. That's the title of a movie that Where he's going to. Where do you think to. he got it from? <laughs> well, I know. That's what I'm saying. I said Marvin I just said that. Um, but you're right. It has double meaning, obviously. Um, and you see there's a flash to Dee's parents, and they're just sitting there like sad because their son's now dead. They don't have a son that can bring honor to their family. They just have emptiness. 
just a missing seat at their table. Yeah, they thought they're like they like you said at the beginning that their dad was like, yeah, go and die. Like right. that's the honorable thing to do. And yep. then here he's like, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, and there's a half lit candle right next to his picture of him smiling, being a young boy that doesn't uh, care about war or anything like that. Um, we get, yeah, we see the scene of the journal being in the military area. You see D's body, you know, his, one of his fears was being thrown in a pile of his own people. And literally that's what happened. You see his remains sitting on top of other dead Vietnamese, um, with his bloodied up journal sitting in military holding on top of a million other journals that are never read. Right. Never get translated. They're just in a heat that'll probably just get thrown out. Um, and then, you know, that's what Marvin brought up, that we go back to the Everett's house. You know, you can see that um, Billy's mom is just like, this isn't good. Like, there's my son's not the same. Our family's splitting apart because, you know, we don't, there's no happiness. Like, you can't, this isn't what we pictured bringing our son back. This is the complete opposite. We thought having him home would be way different than this. When his uh, brother brings her to the watch, was like, Billy lied. He said he wouldn't kill anybody, and he did. Look what he what he gave me, and uh, you turn the page. You see Bill on his uh, bed. He sees the bomb that blew up before he left. He sees a soldier, right? Yeah, a soldier on the floor. On the floor, and then you turn the page, and it's just him sitting there, looking at the uh, or D that he killed, and says, "Welcome to the other side." Basically, uh, showing you that this is the other side of war. That it's not a really about what happens in that battlefield it happens when with the aftermath of it like for him his family lost they lost a son well they both lost a son anyway mm-hmm. yeah so it's so not, there's no glory in war and um that's what this whole book's about you think it's about the other side like seeing the other side of the story from Vietnam's perspective but it really is the other side of war when you're done like what how do you it's either going to end with you dying or end with you uh being broken so, and all you can see yeah you're right is d just bleeding out in front of him and he, he'll probably see that the rest of his life um i mean he mentions that he can't even hold down his food yeah you see his food up. sitting between his feet you know you got i mean that's a toy he probably had that soldier before he that left. looks a lot like the captain or the lt right so i mean and martin's clearly right the other side of war i mean how can you cope with all that i mean nowadays you know we have like therapists are all over the place but then was therapy I mean, well even if you think about it when he besides the scene first came to his uh surgeon was like i don't think i'm well and the guy was like thought he was trying to get out of war he's like get back out there yeah. he's like you don't break now you'll break later yeah well no you'll you can be crazy when you're done with this yep. is what he told them not now well was was ptsd a, a known thing back then i mean i realized i'm guessing it was probably known but it wasn't a document thing it wasn't i something think it got that, established after the vietnam well it was something that the people were aware of because a lot of movies that remain in the seventies, which is when this is kind of was ending, uh, a lot of them had to deal with that kind of that. Okay. Born on the Fourth of July has a lot to do with PTSD, Deer Hunter especially PTSD. So I think people knew. I don't think that maybe that term or people knew that it was something that could be treated, but they knew that when people came back, they weren't the same. Yeah. When I get that, I just want to know if it was actually something that had been coined with a name or if it was something that was just oh, was you, you act different than normal wonder what that's about. Well, and you can also see, you see in Billy's room, there's a Boy Scout picture in front of the American flag, like, saluting. And then you just see a defeated soldier just 
doesn't know what to do. Well, the thing that, it, and maybe it's just the coloring for this, or maybe it's the shadows in it. Um, Everett doesn't look good. He looks like the ghost, and D looks more alive as dead that's, ghost. That's what I was is. thinking. It was like D looks like he's yeah, he is the dead guy, but he still has his color, still has his his um, I don't know, more vibrant look to him. Where well, he accomplished what he wanted to. Billy yeah, did not. But he, yeah, I mean that's the thing is that now Billy's scarred forever, having killed somebody, having done everything he's done. Where you're right, Die has he has died, and he went down in glory the way that he thinks glory is. Where right. as we've obviously seen as the readers, Billy well, he never d- got he, that fulfilled. He, yeah, there were different terms for it before it was established as PTSD. It was officially established as PTSD in 1980, but in 1952 they knew about it. They call it gross stress reaction. Uh, also, for a while in World War One, it was called being shell shocked. Okay, so. Um, yeah, it really is like it is interesting to read a book like this. I mean, a lot of books from this type of era do show like how much it affected people when they were done. But it really like I don't know why I but this whole thing I thought it was just gonna be like a war book. But I'm glad that it took the perspective of like showing you what happens when people are done with war. Like this whole last part of that issue is great. Oh, I think yeah. I think the whole last issue is probably yeah my the favorite. Best. Yeah, I mean. This image, like obviously, it's very graphic. But if you hung that up on a wall, how long could you stare at that and see so many different things in it? We even remember when he's looking the top left. That propaganda I was telling you about, like, what's a good soldier? That he has a picture of uh, somebody saluting. There's a flag in the background, and then if you look to the right of that, he has uh, <laughs> uh, what are those from high school? Where he talks about that, like, I yep. wish you could just be back there at those high school yep. games, like, because that looks like a Boy Scout on the far oh, left. Oh, Boy side. Scouts too. But even, yeah, the Boy Scouts, everything like that. Oh, that's what it is, Boy Scouts. Um, sorry, I couldn't see what he had to tell. Like, Boy Scouts saluting an American flag in the background. But it's just showing that institutional, uh, like that military complex that America has is that for him going over there, even though he didn't want to go, for everybody else, they're like, oh, you're going to be a hero. And is he a hero because he killed a Vietnam soldier on the right? Who knows? I mean, what's your definition? Were they really threatening to destroy America at that point? No, that war really wasn't about that. But they made it about that in a way. They were saying, oh, communism is going to spread. you got to stop communism. So even though D was fighting for his fatherland and he died for it, and then at a point he didn't really want to die for it, and uh, Everett, which went over there, and he thought he needed to be this certain person he wasn't, and he pulled that trigger, and he killed them, and it changed him and he can never go back so yeah it's really you know it's the thing when i was reading this this whole thing i really do like this a lot uh art's great coloring's great jason aaron's writing we were talking before the show very different style than what he does now yes right i'm not sure if i would see jason Aaron doing this book now it'd be different i think i think it would be way more grittier and like bloodier it's a nice like i don't know like there's a lot of uh dream kind of stuff which i don't think he really does anymore uh, there's a lot more, like it's slower pace. Like it was five issues, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, five issues we talked about. I think they're bigger than normal issues. Actually, they felt like it. Um, they didn't feel like it. Like in a way, I was like, oh god, I gotta get through this. They but felt, it did read like almost thirty-two to thirty-five pages each. Yeah. Well, there's five issues, and what page is that? This is one twenty-two. So, yeah. What's that? 
So that's my that's about right about twenty pages an issue. Oh really? Okay, that's, that's a lot about of text. But they felt full. Everyone felt every issue felt full. Um, but I could have seen this being like a twelve issue series. But I think it, if you made it any longer, you would lose what you're trying to tell. You're not trying yeah. to show the war as it was, like with the battles that we were. You know when you see a lot of like documentaries about World War Two and stuff like that, they show you like the battles and show you like all these kind of like military stuff, but it, Really, they don't really focus in on the soldiers and what it did with them. Uh, in this book, it was like, no, we're dealing with these two characters and seeing how they come out of this, how they come out of this from hell and back and seeing what happens with them. And I think that for me, like when I started reading this and I realized that was gonna, what it was going to be about, made it more enjoyable, not enjoyable, but more interesting than seeing a book about just via the Vietnam War and what battles there were and stuff like right. that. Like, I don't need to know, like, you were talking about, like, before we're trying to figure out what the bases were called and stuff like that. It really didn't matter at that point. It, I mean, even for them, I don't even think it mattered at that point. They were just trying to survive both of them. Well, though, I mean, the, the nice thing about this book, you're right. It, I, I can't remember what the town's called, the city's called, the base is called. I'm, I'm invested in these two characters and how they're living their life and how they're deciding to um, either be afraid or to embrace what they're, where they're at and to do their job. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned that if, if Jason Aaron were to write this now, it'd be more gritty or maybe more bloody. I think this may be one of the grittiest things I've read from him because it's actually based on real, real things. It's real. Yeah. yeah. Where I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's kind of feels like Southern Bastards, but Southern Bastards I know is a, uh, an art from his brain. It's something he's made and what Latour has made where this is something he's actually worked on. They've, they've invested the time to know, research yeah research things that i've never felt like sick to my stomach looking at a like a panel before like i've been like horrified things like that but like i've never felt like grotesity like grotesqueness and like mice and i can't eat pork anymore oh i can eat pork it's not a big deal (laughs) but there there are things that when i when i look through this there there are some stomach churning things that maybe not the picture itself makes me think but to envision it in real life to see that how liquid that blood is on someone or to see this pig eating someone's dead bones it's kind of grody what we're feeling though is like a hundredth of what the actual soldiers felt oh, and, yeah when they're actually there so I'm, I'm not saying i know how they feel because i don't right. and i never will if you guys get the deluxe edition we see in the back of this that uh cameron stewart went over to vietnam to uh figure out what it actually really was rather than taking you know, pictures and trying to figure it out. He actually went over there and experienced it. Um, and I think it really adds to it. Cameron Stewart and Dave McKegg's okay. art is um, really great in a way. Like I said, it's realistic to a point where I saw something in this book, like you were saying, when I saw the blood or saw somebody getting shot, it wasn't glorified being like, yes, they're killing these soldiers. It was like somebody's dying. Yep. Um, a lot of great stuff in this book. I think... If I would have like if Jason Aaron was brand new and I read this when it came out, I would have been like, "That's the guy I'm looking out for." Mm-hmm. And Cameron Stewart, everybody. But uh, it's nice to see after we've seen what he's done and go back and see this and be like, "Oh, uh, he was good from the beginning." <laughs> like, I, say, I tell you this what, is this probably is one of the best pieces of work that I've ever read. By agreed. Him. I say for like I said before, uh, if this is his first writing, I am I'm blown out of the water. I've read other people's books who are un, you know first issue I've ever made. Not as good. This was overall for me a very strong nine. nine. I, I really enjoyed this yeah. book. I'd give it a nine as well. 
Oh, we're going to rate it? Do we rate the last one? I think we I, just I don't know. That. I'm just going to rate it. I, or I rated yeah. this one, so I'll too go, late. I'll go with you guys. I would say I, it's close to a 10. But I think there's still there's still more in my head that I like. I'm I'm gonna put this in books that we talk about all the time. That's great or good, but I don't think I would ever read again just because it was. Uh, it's not a easy subject to just read and be like enjoy your time reading. Right. It's just something you read more to gain different perspectives. As I talked about like four, three four weeks ago, when you read certain stories, you're like, I think I feel different about the world now by reading this book. And now when you see like when I see war on TV or seeing anything like that or movies, it's. Uh, you're going to think of this. I think of this and like, I mean, there's been other media about this kind of stuff, but I think for some reason there's something about the way this is told from two different perspectives, especially from the Vietnam side. When I see anything about that war now, it's just going to be, it's not just going to be about how America survived that war and how the American soldiers tried to survive that world war. It was that the whole thing was a Well, hell, messed up. reading Punisher Platoon now, these yeah. last two issues are going to be different for me. It's not going to, I'm still going to see it as Frank Castle kicking ass. But it's who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? There isn't right. one. It's Frank Castle's here. He's investing into this quote unquote job. And in that book, actually, there's a lot right now where that soldier, she doesn't fear death at all either. Just kind of like this, too. So it's nice to see. Um, we're kind of getting that story over there, too. Getting a little you, parallel. you said that you wouldn't read. I, I now I own the hardcover deluxe edition. Um it's a nice book, though. It is, it is a nice book. And I tell you what, I almost would read it again. This may be a book that right. I wouldn't read on a yearly basis. But like there'd be... See something that you didn't see before yeah. kind of thing. Um, or that this is a book that um, come down the line, if I have a, a son or a daughter in high school, and I'm going, hey, you know what? Yeah, this would be and, a good and, book. And they're like, you know, Dad, we're doing a Vietnam thing. Here's a book to read. And it's not even to, you know... I don't know if enjoyment's the right term. I Did I enjoy it? Yes. Just like Marm said, to gain perspective. But to gain perspective, to go here. This is something to expand your knowledge and just to get a feel of what these characters, these not fake characters, may have gone through and what they feel. I find it interesting also to see it from... Like the way war is now is very dehumanizing. Is that they use a lot of drones and stuff like that? That like you never actually see the people that they're killing. It's like they're at a remote location killing people. So when you read this and you see that like he felt that he took that life at that point, and like it really took him and changed him in a way. Like I'm not sure if you see. I, for me, it was interesting to be like I don't know if you see war that way anymore. I mean, there's is a lot of people on the ground too still, but. That is really like a gritty, like bloody, dirty war, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, there's um Ken, uh, Ken Burns documentary that recently just came out about called Vietnam Seven Part Series that actually I think I'm gonna watch now because of that. Because that. Well, check it out. But uh, we get some feedback here. Do you guys want to hear this voicemail? We can sure. talk about it. Alrighty then. Here we go. Wednesday comics. <clears throat> this is a very sick charge in America. Boom. Uh, wanted to talk with you guys about the uh, book report or the book club that we're doing. Uh, the other side, um, I, I understand what you're going at for picking this book, but I don't know. Maybe it's because I was burned out by uh, Full Metal Jacket, and I just don't care for the Americanized story of uh, GIs going crazy uh, in, a, in a horrible war anymore. What I did really like was the uh, Vietnamese take on it with the, the Viet Cong soldier. 
I uh, definitely enjoyed that whole aspect of it. I would have probably enjoyed just a comic of that, uh, you know, just as the other side. Um, otherwise, I mean, artwork was okay. Storyline, like I said, I only cared for half of the story. Um, as you know, of course, uh, like I said, I've, I've been kind of down on my books lately. Maybe this is still a reflection of that. Maybe for the new year, I turn over a new leaf and I read more comics or whatever, but as of right now, I, I guess I'm Debbie Downer on this one. So, sorry, this one was, uh, this one was a flat one for me, guys. I uh, can't wait to hear what Alex's pick is for, uh, the next book. Sergeant America, signing out. Catchphrase. I think that's, I think that's all we kind of touched on before. He's like, this is not a happy, I mean, this isn't going to make you feel good. No. And you're right. I mean, that's, we were talking about that even before we started the show tonight is, you know, um, Americans are glorified in the Vietnam War. Um, but, you know, what this book shows you is it, it's not black and white like that. It's, it's very gray. Um, I'll agree with him on the point that, um, he said that he really was really interested in the Vietnam uh, part of it. I, do, I think actually that was the most interesting part of this book. The American part I did, like I said before, there was a lot where I was like, I think I've seen all this before, but I do like the character a lot. And so I think yeah. that's what made it better for me. But it is a lot of stuff that I've seen before in other uh, Vietnam stories. But it was nice. I think it's the first time I've ever seen it from the other perspective of who we were fighting in that war. And who, right. not even who we were fighting, but like, the other soldiers at that point. And it makes and you sympathize too. I mean, like it we be, were just as yeah. much as monsters as, well, that's the thing is that the Vietnamese at the time, like I said, as Americans, we always think we're the good guys. The more I read about, um, D or die or however you want to say his name. Um, it makes you go, you were just this innocent kid who got thrown into this fight. I think he was even younger. I think he may, I thought he, he was, like, a, he was a kid. And so it's just, it's one of those things that I, uh, I really did enjoy this book and I don't have the, um, I haven't heard all these things before. The last time I talked about Vietnamese was probably in high school. So this is something that it it introduced me into more ideas and it it took away the bad guy factor. And that to me is a big deal. I sympathize with both characters feeling their pain and feeling their scared, their fear. Mm -hmm. So, and like, I can see, you know, um, why this can be seen. Like, you know, I see Sergeant America said, you know, this is kind of flat for him. And like, um, it has a lot of layers to it. I mean, there's things that, you know, are so, you know, emotionally layered throughout that it's, it's hard to grasp everything at once. There's a lot of meaning. There's a lot of metaphors. There's a lot of, you know, artwork telling more story than like what the text is telling us. So it's, the, I would call this a complicated book, to be honest. I mean, it it's not presented complicated, but I mean, it's complicated with the material and how it's all pushed together and how it's all meshed. Well, and it's just, it's maybe I'm wrong, but this war always has seemed to be something of a taboo where you never actually want to talk about it because it's just bad things. Right. You just think of disgust. In uh, high school, uh, at least for me, I'm not sure about, we went to the same high school, me and Alex, so I'm not sure. Um, if it happened for you, but Gary can also weigh in. I was in preschool and you guys were in high school. So. <laughs> I mean, when you were in the high school. So the Vietnam War was in my textbook, but it was very short. I remember thinking, being like, wow, like the World War II section was huge. And then yep. Vietnam was like one chapter. Right. And uh, we never actually read about it. We got to the point when we were like, came up from the book and they're like, oh, you know what? 
we need to skip forward, otherwise we're not going to finish this before. Yep. And we would always skip over Vietnam and go straight into uh, like uh, Reagan. No, uh, Reagan. Like the Cold War? Reagan's era, kind yep. of the Cold okay, War, yeah. stuff like that. Um, I was going to say Reagan. Reagan. Uh, but uh, like we would always skip over it. And so my my view on Vietnam, my information on Vietnam comes from movies. So if you really do want to see something else oh, about the Vietnam War, some great movies are Deer Hunter. I talked about this before we started. Deer Hunter um, is great about how it destroys this, uh, these uh, young guys' lives in the same way kind of like it does for Billy. Um, Platoon is something that actually happens in war. Um, Apocalypse Now kind of in a way. I really don't like that. That movie's okay. Um, and uh, there's one more. I First blood. First blood in a way, but yeah, he comes back and seeing them afterwards, the PTSD. Uh, but also I wanted to say that it, I think the thing that makes this work from Billy's side, especially because Sergeant America said you really didn't, it was kind of for the same for him. I think the thing that makes it different is that, so we see it from the other side so that when Billy shoots and kills somebody who we've been reading for a hundred pages, that it means more to me in that more being like he killed somebody that I knew at that point. Rather than if this was, was a story from Billy's perspective, the whole thing, and we didn't tell about the other side. Yep. When he killed that soldier, I would have been like, oh, I feel bad for Billy, but that's it. Right. Like, and this now, I feel bad for the whole situation. And now, if I like, and now they don't have a son, that family, and the other one has a son, but is he really there? Like she said, like, my poor Billy. Yeah. But she's is crying. He, is, is he really her like, son anymore? Yeah, she's crying like she lost him too. So I think it adds more to that story that we've seen before from seeing it from the other side. So. A question that I have, and yep. you brought it up now to me at least, is that if uh, someone in Vietnam were to read this, do they feel the same way that we do? I would say so. Like, I mean, you do, see when Cameron see Stewart the goes, they, um, you know, he talks with people that were around during the Vietnam War and things like that. So, I mean, there's definitely an awareness, I would say. Um I wouldn't. I would. I would feel that way. I mean, what do we think before reading this book? Like we thought, hey, Americans were just doing their thing. You know, they were just doing what they were told, saving the saving the country. It's not that black and white. Like I said, I mean, I feel bad for the Vietnam Vietnam soldiers. I mean, there was innocent children, innocent uh, women. I mean, even innocent men that were killed for no reason other than you know, just trying to reduce the body, I mean, to increase the body count to get them out of the way. Yep. I mean, you're just trying to move the line and you got to the 38th parallel because you couldn't get any farther on either side. So it's it's the only standstill in history that still exists to this day. And that's probably why it's only a chapter because who wants to teach the biggest fuck-up in American history? Or one of them, anyways. Yeah. I mean... It's, 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 it's like when you do so shitty on a test and you're like, God, I just need another test. Like get this off my report card yep. or whatever. I need a clean slate. And I, unfortunately with America, you can't clean that up. That's, I mean, but I'm sure Vietnam feels the same way. I mean, there's still, there's, you know, still a lot of feelings from that perspective as well. Like, holy shit, you know, we're not like, we didn't, we weren't in the right either. I don't no. think, I mean, I think we're all, yeah, just. All feel guilt, bad. All, all feel guilty sick. parties. Yeah. The other side with Jason Aaron, Cameron Stewart, and uh, Craig McCake. Dave, Dave McCake. McCake. Excuse me. Craig McCake. Imagine that. Um, this is uh, <laughs> just recently came out last month, two months ago. Three yeah. months yep. ago. Yeah, Tenth anniversary months. edition. I think it announced the 
October when you announced it. It came out. 10th anniversary edition hardcover, like Alex said. Alex, how much does that puppy cost? Uh, 1999. 20 bucks. Not bad. You can read about Jason Aaron's first, uh, one of his first works out there. So uh, we all enjoyed it. It is, uh, before we move on to Alex's pick for quarter one, 2018, for the Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People's Book Club. Uh, let me ask you a question about this book. Do you think you could give this book to an older individual and uh, they could read it? I'm like thinking it? about giving it to my dad because my dad's in the military. Yeah. And, you know, my dad told me, you know, when American Sniper was making a lot of, you know, big things in the press, my dad hasn't read a book in 30 years. He said he read that book in two days. And, it, I mean, it's a pretty thick book. Oh, so it's a good size And book. so, you know... My dad knows I like collect comics and things like that, and I wonder if I told him the concept and like handed it to him, like if I got the actual. I mean, I don't think digital. I think he would be like, "What's this technology?" <laughs> I can't but get this. If I actually handed him that book, I mean, he might think like you know going into it like, "Okay, reading a comic book," but then you know as he keeps as he goes past the first couple pages, he might realize. I mean, it might suck me in. Like, I mean, suck him in. Like, it sucked me in. Like, and maybe you guys. I mean, it didn't take very long when you start getting to Vietnam in that book. You're like, more, I'm more, here. more. Let's go. Like, what's right. happening? And then you get those perspectives. And I think absolutely. I think if there was a gateway for that generation or the generation after to pick up a comic book, this would be a, a, a good one. I mean, not a good one based on the material, but a good one based on, you know, facts and knowledge and living through that time or around that time i think my being the pessimist of the group uh depends on which adult you're trying to give it to if you've got someone who is stuck in the ways that americans are number one screw everybody else this may be an eye-opener but it may also insult what they're thinking and what they believe um but this this really is a book that i would but isn't that the best person to try to give it to if they're open-minded like we not if about. they're gonna break my book. No, but I mean, I mean, so you buy buy a new copy. <laughs> but I mean, like we talked about before, this really is a good piece of media, which has said changes your perspective in a yeah. way. So maybe like that's who you give it to to be like, hey, maybe we can stop seeing us as you know trying to win this imaginary fight to be number one, and I'm just seeing all these fights as us just killing other people. Yeah, but yeah, remember, not everyone's as open minded as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, at least try. Try to make the world a better well, place that was a joke, day right? by day. That was a joke. <laughs> okay, I was making sure. He was laughing. <laughs> I, was I, just ta- I just talked over it. Uh, well, actually, you're right. Pointing out because we're on the audio podcast. Supercon 2018, the return of the con, September 28th, 29th, and 30th. Featuring guests like Tony Fleece, Shay Fontana, Science Steve, and brought to you by Wednesday Comics, Phil Hester. Phil Helster is an Eisner Award-winning comic book artist. Phil is from Iowa. He's known for his uh, runs on Nightwing, The Flash, Season Zero, Teen Titans, and many more. He's currently drawing Batman Beyond for DC and Shipwreck for Aftershock. Wednesday Comics is proud to present Phil Hester at Supercon. Go to supercon.com for more information. Uh, Alex, what's your... uh pick for uh, quarter 128 so the uh the next book that i hope you guys all read is uh day tripper by uh fabio moon and gabriel ba uh i've heard great things and, and i was the one that did the art for umbrella academy correct okay and he also did um who helped write twilight children fabio moon right no or was it Bob? oh helped write that was gabriel hardman no nope I, I knew it was someone from that book. Yeah, keep talking. I'll look it up. 
That was it was Darwin Cook and somebody else. Yeah. Darwin Cook, that's who it was. I knew that yeah. was the artwork. But did he do the writing I as well? I think he wrote, too. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Then never mind. I may be wrong. Oh, Oming. Oming did the art on that, I thought. No, it was Darwin Cook. Huh. I don't know. It was, we know, had so the... It's been a while. Anyway. So, I believe it's... A, I, Marvin, correct me if I'm wrong. I it's think it's... somebody different. Gabriel a, Hernandez. Okay. Hernandez. Okay. I think it's 10 issues long. So, it's going to be the longest book we will have read. But I think for everybody, you're going to get your money's worth in this book. It's not a, uh, a superhero book. This is going to be more of a... Um, heartfelt may make you sad in some issues book 10 issues yep well and to be honest for everybody out there all of our audience you know the reason we want to do this book club is because we want to find those books that maybe don't get as much spotlight that they should um and just analyze them and talk about them and give them some praise because there's pieces of work out there you know that deserve you know anal like analyzing and appreciating um, and I think, you know, I've heard that of Alex and Marvin read this before and they love this book and I've never read it and I'm excited to read it. I have, I've had it sitting on my shelf for years, but I've never opened it because oh, do you own it too. I own it. Oh, that's oh, nice. I absolutely you not read it before yeah. Alex. Yeah, I've read it. Oh, I thought you were saying I've heard. You kept saying I've heard. I was, I was, oh. I was faking it that I haven't read it, but oh. I have read it. Well, I mean, but it's been three right. years, so it's like not reading. Yeah. I've talked about it on the show before. I haven't read it in a while, so this is going to be good. Uh, but I've talked about on the show before. This is, if I take all Star Superman out, out of the equation, actually, really, if we talk about it, like all Star Superman is like my favorite superhero book of all time. But if you talk about my favorite book of all time, Day Tripper. Day Tripper. So when we read it, I'm all this. Uh, I might get long winded in that episode, but also I can guarantee you that when I read it, uh, I will cry <laughs> because it happens yeah. every time. I uh, I think for me it's gonna be one of those changing things that I normally don't cry when I read a book. Depending on how uh, vulnerable I'm feeling, probably pretty strong. I think we talked about that one time that in talking about perspective, like the first time I read it, I was not a father, and it more uh, for me was gaining perspective on how my relationship is with my father. And I read that, and uh, and then when I became a father, I read that story, and it totally changed my view, being like. Because then I'm on the uh, different perspective. I'm like looking and seeing like if this was my kid. And seeing it from that perspective, I recently read uh, The Underwater Welder, which is a story also about a family, uh, excuse me, a father-son relationship. And I noted I read a lot of these books now, like this book and that book. Like it's not – I'm not looking to be like, oh, I'm the son and I'm looking up to him like from the main character's perspective. But I'm seeing the dad and you see certain things that they do in the books being like, you know, when they're trying to be a good parent, they do they make a mistake by doing something and the kid gets upset. Normally, you'd be the kid being like, man – like uh yeah, uh, the dad can't treat you that way or something like that. But now I see him being like the dad is only trying to do the best he can. So like when I read that book now, I wonder now that I have some perspective being a father for almost two years now, reading that book to see how I feel about it now. Because I really I read it like before my son was born when I knew I was going to be having a kid. So yeah. now it's now it's going to be like the third perspective before no kid having a kid. Now I've had a kid, and now you're in that perspective of you're going to be oh. having a kid, uh, Garrett. Has never read before, so you can get the first perspective. Hey, yeah. that will be a good show. You're One, going to be two, having a three. kid. You don't have a kid, and I uh, will be having a kid. It is really a great book about life and experiences. So uh, I'm excited to read it because it, it is a great book. When Marvin and Alex team up and tell me a book's good, I usually believe it. Fabio so. Moon, <laughs> Gabriel Ball are twin brothers, so they're both. It's a family. Like, oh, really? Infant, yeah, okay. I didn't know that. Brothers, so oh, cool. it's also another perspective. Uh, Garrett's a twin brother, so two brothers Holy working shit. on the book. 
Damn. Just get your brother on that show. It's going to be a good show. That'll be on uh, March. What's the first Wednesday of March? Look it up. Or Thursday of March, excuse me. Oh, get your voicemails in, 605-215-1849 uh, by uh, March. First. First. is the first Thursday. 2018. Dang. Oh, that's the first Thursday? So get him by that February 28th. Correct. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about it on that Thursday. Or you can send us an email if you want to, if you don't want to talk about it. WednesdayComics605 at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at WednesdayComics. You can also send us a tweet. You know, send us a DM if you want to, too. If you want me to follow you, let me know. You can send me a DM. I'll read that online. You sure you want to do that March? Why? That's the way I was doing. Oh, really? Okay. Why? Because it's only two months away then. Yeah, because it's shorter. The quarter one's shorter than the rest of the quarters. That's the only reason why. Oh, really? Okay. Because we have 28 days in February. That's why. So okay. you read the first two issues the first week. Oh, I'm not concerned. I mean, that, that's, issue that's, no, you'll oh. fly through that. I, it's I, 10 issues, but you'll fly through it. Oh. And so I read that in one day. There's a lot. Those two are great artists, and a lot of that book is told through the art. So. It's not a book where you all have pages and pages of dialogue. So, um, what was it saying? Oh, Facebook.com slash Wednesday Comics Podcast. If you want to send us a message on there, t- we'll talk about it during the book show. Or anything in general, you can send us feedback at any time at those venues. Uh, once again, that phone number is 605-215-1849. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you notice that this is an audio-only um, podcast. For now on, at least going forward, audio-only. No more video of the show. We're going to change. We're changing gears in 2018. We're going to do more video-only content that is uh, unique to video. You guys do the gauntlet. Right. Uh, things like that. So if you saw the gauntlet and you like that kind of thing, that's what we're going to be kind of doing rather than... You know why? I'm going to be 100% honest with, honest with uh, this audience. It felt lazy to me because I would always put it up and it would be no different than the audio. And it was so long to cut that I wouldn't do anything unique with it. So for me, I was like, I'm not giving them all by just putting it up there online. Uh, the, the audio will be the same thing. I actually put more work into the audio, so I felt like I was cheating people who just watched the video. And I've talked to a couple of people who watched the video, and they say they just listen to it anyway. So I think it'll be the best of both worlds for everybody. You'll get more video stuff we'll start trying to do uh, before when we first started the podcast. Or even we only had the website. We did the, our collections, video of our collections. We should uh, yep. do that again. I think we did it last February. You know, now that we have a YouTube channel. So. I, got, uh, I got some new digs, too. So I yeah, have to show the uh, Man Cave 2.0. But if you watch the gauntlet, it comes out every Wednesday, uh, somewhere in the afternoon, whenever the video gets uploaded and I get it cut together. But if you notice, if you watch that, it's a little, I take a little more time to edit that together and do some close ups on faces. So it turns out. Yeah, some people are assholes <laughs> in this world. You, as you've read in the other side. You did a cut to the, the camera, and I'm not supposed to cut to it. I'll show you in a second here. <laughs> um, Alex also does one, and I cut to his face too. So those are kind of, if you, Look forward to more of those type fun videos rather See, than... See, we're not doing videos now, so you can't cut to his self doing fucking things in the camera. Yeah, but last time we did this, I was the one who was running the camera. And to be fair, I'm not very competent, so I'm like, I'll just stand here and point out stuff. I'm glad you finally admitted that. Plus, uh, this is, uh, what do you call it? Audio of the mind, so uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or now also on uh, Spotify. Uh, a lot of good feedback from Spotify. A lot of people find it on there. It's very. It's easier for me to tell people go to Spotify and find it. So if you have an iPhone, go to the podcast app. Find us on there. Subscribe. If you have an Android device, Google Play on there or Stitcher Radio is uh, one you can use. Uh, or you know, kind of podcatcher. So use one of those. But also Spotify. Search for Wednesday Comics. We're on there. Every new episode gets uploaded in uh, full quality, and you can listen to it and uh, share it with your friends, family. 
Or uh, I was wondering where the fuck that board went to. It's yeah, over by you. Yeah, because I was going to write something up, but I couldn't find the marker. The book club, we talked about it. So get on that. Day Tripper, Fabio Moon, Gabriel Ba. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's Wednesday Comics. Pre- Wednesday Comics, Leave Extraordinary Gentle People Presents. Yeah, let's break it together. Because starting next week, you'll yeah. have to do that. Yeah, so. you'll have to remember that. So. Not, not, sorry, not the Day Tripper. Just Day it's Tripper. It's actually pretty cheap, too. Pick that up, see how much it is. While I go, we talk about SuperCon. I, I saw it was 2018, Return of the Con. That's September 28th, 29th, and 30th of uh, 2018. So Wednesday Comics will be there. Uh, we'll have a show on the 28th. Also recently announced, uh, MAP, uh, Midwest All Pro Wrestling, doing a show on Wednesday, uh, or excuse me, Thursday, excuse me, Friday of that week, that 28th. Uh, Wednesday Comics will have a show right after that. So make sure you stick around and see both things. Get a weekend pass. You've got a lot of things you're going to want to do. Uh, supercon.com. Make sure to catch out, catch their social media feeds, everything. They'll let you know when tickets are available. Roots of the Swamp Thing.com. Holland Files number two came hot off the presses. I saw a picture. He's stacking them in envelopes, sending them out. So if you pre-ordered one, uh, so excited! For you that. should be receiving it soon. We'll have John Boylan on in a few weeks here. We'll talk about it. We're going to be talking about some other Swamp Thing uh, books. Uh, there's one coming out in the, the month. If you don't know, look it up. Get on the Swamp Thing. Like I told you, this thing is hot. You can want to be. You know what's going to happen? They're going to release this Just Like Dark movie. Swamp Thing's going to be in it. He's going to be the hit of that movie, and people are going to go crazy. You get in now. That way, when you go to that movie and you see him, you'd be like, yeah, I know about the Swamp Thing. Roots of the Swamp Thing.com. And if you're a club member, I'm a club member. Me too. Uh, Alex, how much is it? Day Tripper? $19.99. 20 bucks? 10 20 eight, 20 bucks. Issue, 10 issues. It's $20. Make it it's hollow. a nice book, though. 10, ten issues. issues like 10 issues, though. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty solid. $2 an issue. Just bought some good stuff. Gosh. Uh, really great book. Like I said, uh, Alex likes it. It's my favorite book of all time. If that's not enough, what is enough? When Garrett gives the thumbs up on this book. <laughs> it, when Garrett, if Garrett doesn't give a thumbs up, there's obviously something wrong with there's Garrett. There's sometimes I disagree with you guys. But generally speaking, like Deadly Class, Marvel and I nailed it. That's true. That's that's like my top pick that you guys recommended me. Like it'd be different if I tell you something's good and then Marvin's like, yeah, that's okay. And then, I, then I understand. Right. Or if it's the other way around, like when you say, oh man, uh, Injustice is great. It's the best book I've ever read. And when Marvin's like, meh, I kind of dial it down to a meh. But if he goes, it's fucking good. Then I'll get it. I've read the first uh, volume. It's pretty good. See, yeah. all I heard was, meh. <laughs> <laughs> because he hasn't read the whole story. <laughs> yeah, I've been getting it for six years. So Holy shit, six years? Yeah. Man, that, that's mind-boggling. That that's been going on so long. Yeah, good content. So long. Goodbye. Marvin out. That was the worst. All I thought you were going to do was the sound of music. So long. Farewell. Oh, Vitor's oh, yeah. goodbye. Okay, I thought that was worse. That was 10 times worse. That's because it's creepy said. when I do and it. My name's been Marvin. I'm Alex. And I'm Garrett. Holy God, save me. And everyone, keep turning those pages. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>